Welcome to the Expert Network Team podcast. Where our goal is to inform and educate our listeners on matters related to finance, legal, insurance, accounting, and other interests that are of personal and business nature. We hope you will find our content useful as well as entertaining. The Expert Network team consists of Carl Frank of ANI Financial, Mike Miller of Miller and Associates CPAs, Jeff Cromendike of Security First Insurance Agency, and I'm Nathan Merrill. I'm an attorney at Goodspeed and Merrill. Together, our independent team combines our expertise to provide you insights and solutions, some straightforward, some profound, for real-life opportunities we see on a daily basis. We hope you enjoy the information contained in today's podcast and find it useful. If you'd like to learn more or desire to meet with any of the Expert Network team members in person, you can contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's I-N-F-O at expertnetworkteam.com. We encourage you to take advantage of a free consultation with any of our team members. Just mention this podcast when you schedule your appointment. Now on to today's podcast. Welcome listeners to uh, your expert team podcast um, brought to us uh, by uh, Carl Frank at uh, A&I Financial. Uh, actually, A&I Management? Well, well management, management now. Thanks, okay. Jeff. We've known each other a long time. <laughs> All right. It's going to take a while for me to reprogram my mind here on this. And then also uh, uh, Nathan Merrill from uh, Goodspeed and Merrill is here with us this, after, or this afternoon. So uh, thank you guys for joining us. And my name is Jeff Cromendike with One Digital Insurance, and we are your expert team on all Good things uh, financial. So uh, looking forward to our podcast today. This is part two, actually, of a um, wealth management uh, sec- segment specific to interest rates and uh, where they are going and the impact that they're having on our advanced planning and long-term planning. So, um, yeah, Nate, you uh, kind of kicked us off nicely here in our last uh, segment, and uh, I think we want to kind of put some finishing touches on this uh, this afternoon. So, um Bring us up to speed uh, as to where we left off and um, where we're going here with this particular session. Yeah, the two strategies that we outlined in the last discussion were the charitable lead trust and how interest rates are affecting or impacting that strategy from a structuring standpoint. And then we also discussed charitable remainder trusts. But perhaps where we can start is, you know, we had an in-depth discussion about charitable lead trusts, Carl. And as I explained to you, one of the opportunities there is as long as our, you know, tax deductions aside, we're putting money in this trust and our goal is to grow it. And especially if we're using that trust as a wealth transfer vehicle, our goal is to grow it at a rate that exceeds the assumed growth rate that the IRS gives us, which is presently in the four or 5% range. So um, the obvious challenge here, as you were mentioning, like with bonds and, and the way the market is adjusting its uh, evaluation of investment opportunities. What's our reliability or how do we approach now investment to make sure we kind of beat that hurdle, beat the impact of interest rates on the market? That's a great question. It's a great opportunity for people to be thinking about advanced planning this year, Nate, because last year was like ripping off the Band-Aid. It was a year of pain for a lot of investments. Uh, If you name 10 of them, I'd tell you probably nine 
or more went down last year. It was a rough year because as interest rates went up, bond prices went down. We talked about the reasons a little bit on the last podcast. And as interest rates went up, then uh, a lot of growth companies values went down. They were sold indiscriminately in 2022 because they're using these higher interest rates to discount the future value of the cash flows that these companies may create. And it all happened in the same year. But it's like ripping off the Band-Aid. It hurts a lot less this year than it did last year. In fact, the year's off to a rip-roaring start and for most investments in 23. And that gives us a great opportunity as investors. And the, the fundamentals are, are pretty simple to understand. If you're going to have a high average annualized rate of return, after a bad year, you have to start eventually having some good years. And those good years have to be above average. And so if nothing else to bring us back to the average rates of return we've had over long periods of time, this is setting up to be a fairly good year. It could be a, a, a volatile year, but it could be a, a year where um, those of us who are courageous can end up with a little bit more money in our pockets than we had at the beginning of the year. So let me, let me, uh delve into because this is this strategy the clat strategy where you're assuming to pay out of this trust a certain amount over a dedicated period of time is dependent for it to function well is dependent on a couple of things not just you know total average annualized return but as as you know and maybe you can speak to this a little you have a bad year at the outset in a strategy like that you play catch up for the next 15 to 20 so how does that impact how you build a portfolio around a strategy like that to make sure you have near-term cash to meet those short-term you know, term obligations, but preserve capital for the long-term and still enhance those rates? Can you, can you wave a wand and work magic like that, or what do you do? Well, of course, right? We all have a magic wand, and we can all see perfectly into the future. You can, can't you, Jeff? Uh, yeah, no, I've tried, but um, it's got me every time. So I, yeah. lean, I lean on you guys for that. But, but I'm assuming that your your portfolio makeup there is a little different than it might be for just a growth oriented model. Yeah, my uh, my crystal ball is no more, you know, no less fuzzy than anybody else's. You know, there are no facts about the future. However, there's definitely a different set of investments you line up than you for a uh, consistent income then you line up for a long-term growth portfolio. And, and a certain portfolio could provide both. Right. But you're going to have different sets of investments doing different things. You're not going to put your offensive line out there to protect your, your end zone in a football game. Right. You're going to have the offense and you're going to have the defense and they're going to have different roles. And this is a year where it's really an interesting time. You had mentioned that um, the government is assuming rates of return that are pretty low relative to the oh yeah it's all there's always a delta there but it's yeah. a question of how big that delta is right and and now after last year's uh debacle in the bond market you've got an opportunity as an investor to get pretty high rates of return on fixed income investments so there's a possibility here that you can just do it without doing anything complicated and just put your investments in a well diversified pool of fixed income investments and and you'd want to be looking at a diverse array of these investments but my goodness, it could be a kind of a slam dunk. I mean, it could be a little bit easier now than it has been in a decade or more to provide the returns that you that you need for an advanced planning strategy. And is that just the kind of the short-term focus? Because eventually the tides change, right? Eventually sure. bonds don't look as good and yeah. you have to move that portfolio around. But well, yeah, and and so it it really does depend on your time 
your time horizon. That's exactly right. And and the longer your time horizon is, the more likely that your true value is going to be eaten up by inflation. And, and the risks, of course, over the past year were inflation. That's why the interest rates are being pushed up by the Fed. The, the risk is that your dollar every year we live is going to be worth less and less. Uh, and so you have to invest to accommodate that, right? You have the best to, to, to beat inflation. And so that's why you want equities. You can't just have, you know, your defense on the field and win the Super Bowl. You got to have an offense as well. And, and equities are the offense. So there's a, a, a mixture there that you want to combine in your portfolio of, of, a, a, of income producing investments and growth producing investments as well. Right. And so one of the things I didn't mention in the last podcast about CLATS, that just it's, it's an important disclosure or awareness is most people assume that when you're talking about anything charity that there's a tax exemption related to growth or it's, it's tax-free growth in a clat however um, any of the income generated by those investments actually passes through to the settler of the clat not in every clat structure but in the most common ones that's the case so a lot of the goal is to have income only earned as necessary to pay that annuity, right? Because you don't want to push more income into, into the profile of the settler than needs to be to satisfy that obligation. So, you know, whether that is bond income in the, in the form of exactly matching kind of your needed output. Or annuity income. Or, or after 12 months, long-term capital gains. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But what you don't want, I would, I mean, just from my perspective, not as an investment advisor, but as a tax strategist, you don't want a bunch of mutual funds that are going to push through a bunch of income to you, irrespective of whether you see it or not. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. You want to be careful about how you generate income when you're doing a, a do you, class. Do you want to explain? I, I don't know that we've ever actually talked about how mutual funds kind of oh. have that un, a trap for the unaware. Yeah, it can be. And, and actually, this is an exciting year for mutual funds because last year they realized a whole bunch of losses. So it could. So the way a mutual fund is, they'll they'll go and buy equities, let's say, and um, and they'll bundle it all together. And you, as an investor, will own a share of that mutual fund. And when the company, the mutual fund advisor, decides to sell one of their underlying holdings, that could either be at a gain or a loss. And then at the end of the year, they're all tallied up. And by March of the following year, you're going to get a tax burden that you didn't cause, right? right. And it's either going to be a big savings for you. It could be a big loss that you get to carry forward if the mutual fund the prior year has realized some losses or it could be a gain and the gain could be long-term or the gain could be short-term and there's qualified and non-qualified ways that those are paid and that can be a trap and it can be a benefit and one of the exciting things about coming out of a of a market with a bad year is that mutual funds by and large have probably gotten rid of a lot of those embedded gains that they had before they've probably realized some losses a good a good manager back then starts once to get the lost harvesting they'll sell a gain asset but then they'll harvest a lost asset so that it offsets they offset exactly right or maybe even carry forward some losses so that in the future they can have some gains that will be tax-free so it's a wonderful opportunity actually and and that's one of the things that a lot of people overlook is that um you know there are the tax the hidden tax costs or benefits of of a mutual fund of a of an aggregated pooled investment like that Cool. 
Yeah. So I don't know that it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I do think that there's probably an opportunity now that you didn't have in years past, especially after a long bull run. Right. There likely were a lot. And of that was always the trap historically is there's gains happening, you know, as, as the investments inside the fund rise, right. they're selling off assets without the offsetting losses. And you're like, wait a minute, why am I paying so much yeah. gains when yeah. I didn't sell anything? Yeah. Right. Uh, our mutual mm -hmm. funds are taxed as a, as a, uh, is a complicated thing, but it's a good thing to understand. Yeah, certainly have their their place in a portfolio. Oh, sure, and ETFs and and you know and other investments all, all have a place as well. So, Carl, well, you yeah, good, Jeff? Yeah, real quick. I mean, I don't want to change the the subject, but um, you know, again, you know, just in talking about interest rates in particular and how the Fed now has has brought brought these up in in hopes of basically curbing um, inflation. Um, is that is that safe to say? Yes. Um, and then the risk, ultimate risk, being uh, that we would we would go into recession. Um, so some reports are out. You had mentioned earlier um, today when we were kind of preparing for the the, the session um, that we may be having a, a soft landing um, with regards to recession. So. Um, the Fed's a little bit more bullish on the fact that, hey, look, yeah, what we've tried to do here very well may be uh, successful. So can you just like give us a little bit of an idea of what your perspective on that is and where we're at and how long interest rates might be, you know, kind of heading in the direction that they are right now? I heard recently they're down. Like, can I? Yeah, well, in the, the way the banks interpret the interest rate environment, you know, because they, they'll overreact at the outset. So we saw 30-year mortgages go, like, jump five or six points, but they're starting to come down, not necessarily because the rates are coming down, but because the concern about ever-increasing interest rates is going down. But to, but to add to Jeff's question, and I think this ultimately goes to you, Carl, is so we may be hitting a soft landing. That's great, because that means we're not entering a recession but that doesn't the, the 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 flip side of that coin or the juxtaposition doesn't necessarily mean robust growth. So how how is that outlook looking for us in terms of because I think December, while it wasn't negative, it came in lower than expected or the fourth quarter or whatever. So not a recession is not necessarily back to the heyday, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think you know to be fair, I think a vast majority of economists still believe we are heading into a recession. I think that. It's just that we're not getting there quickly and they've been wrong for a long time now. And maybe a lot of people are losing patience with it. And we've got stubbornly low unemployment. So that, and those, all of these things together are saying, wow, maybe I need to rethink whether or not we really are gonna hit a recession. It has been the case that every time the Fed has raised rates as quickly as they raised at this time, that they've had a recession. And that when you've had a percentage increase in um, uh, interest rates, that's the equivalent percentage increase, we've had a recession. It's been, you know, this would be the first time that we've had something like this happen without a recession. So I think the odds are pretty good that we will. But even if it did, I don't know what that means. What that means for a retiree is very little. It means that there'll be less people on the golf course, so you get a better tee time, right? <laughs> it means that in your bond portfolio, you've got returns that you haven't had in years, decades perhaps, because you've actually got interest rates. I mean, for a retiree, it, it, it might be a good thing, right? 
it, what, what really hurts retirees and hurts all of us would be the inflation side of things. Right. So, so if this works the way that the Fed hopes it works, it would be a good thing to bring down the inflation rate. So we're not paying so much more for smaller boxes of cereal and, and you know, a dozen eggs costing as much as what used right. to, you know, used to be able to go to a, a, a restaurant and get a prepared egg breakfast and a cup of coffee and a tip for the same price you're paying for eggs now, you know, and you got to cook them yourself. Right. It's a totally different situation than, than what might be. So to get more specific on your question, yeah, it just not entering a recession does not mean robust growth. And that's the reason why I asked that question that way to confirm that suspicion is, as I've mentioned, whether it's the CLAT strategy or the CRUT strategy, our expectation is to have long-term performance that outpaces Right. That the modest assumed, assumed performance that the IRS implies into the strategy. So if we have prolonged periods, if we have a stagflation decade or something like that, where you look back to the 70s and even the 70s don't look so bad in total hindsight, but it was, you know, oh, sure. often viewed as a very lackluster decade. If we have another decade like that, then some of these strategies become harder to get to perform because like I said, a lot of it requires or depends on non-negative performance in the early years, but perform even better if you have strong years up front that you can then build off of and have that kind of exponential hockey stick yeah, that, type of that impact. That makes sense to me, Nate. And, and it's really related to Jeff's question, which is you know part of Jeff's question, which was how long are interest rates going to stay high? And you know, like I was joking earlier, you know, my crystal ball is as fuzzy as anybody's. But right now, the Fed has, for the past year, done what they said they would do. And right now, the Fed's saying they're going to keep them high. Do you have any statistics on, and I thought I had looked or read something on this, but maybe you know, because this is your thing. When the, when the Fed does this type of activity, because I know they've done it in the past, they usually correct back to a normalized rate within like 18 months or something right, like that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, many predictions are that by the end of this year, they'll have to start to reduce the interest rates, but those are all based off of the, they'll never go back to zero again, but I don't think so. I mean, that was unprecedented. Yeah. Right. That was really strange. These are really strange times. The, the advantage if you're a cynic to the higher interest rates for the federal government is that they're, deflating the future cost of their debt. So it's actually reducing the amount of money that they've got to pay because they're inflating everything else around them. The debt is fixed at today's dollars and is reducing the cost of the future dollars paid. Except for, so, except for if we get crazy on borrowing at these rates for future for deficits. Future, 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 yeah. future, future. We can get our current spending under control. I agree with you 100%. The problem is big, yeah. we add a trillion dollars to the national debt every Six year. months or so. Yeah. You know, we're just spending like crazy. Yeah. But yeah, as long as we can keep a 10-year treasury at 2% or less. They can inflate away yeah. their problems. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Right. So... I mean, this is all we've kind of, as, as Jeff pointed out, I mean, all this stuff is is very impactful to how investments perform for the strategies we discussed. Right. But perhaps the last rabbit hole to go down is, um, is uh, the, and, and we may have talked about this in a previous podcast, 
the other point of interest rate increases is to bring money supply. I mean, we, have we talked about money supply in the past? I think we have. Yeah, yeah. You know, why does why does that matter, and what does it impact? Well, the big, I mean, yeah. So the lower the interest rates are, the more the banks want to lend, right? For for lots of reasons, but the more people want to borrow because you can, right? Right. So you can go and and you can go and buy that second vacation home for very little, or you can just upsize your current home, or go get a car that you know maybe you otherwise wouldn't be able to afford because the rates are so low, your payments are so low. But as interest rates go up, then a lot less lending happens, a lot less borrowing happens. So there's a lot less money flowing through the economy. The more money there is, the higher the inflation will be because it's the it's a fixed amount of goods that are out right. there in the world. It, it, it's also closely, you know, close to a fixed amount of services. I mean, there's a certain amount of hours that everybody's willing to work. So goods and services, if they're more or less fixed and the dollars go up, the prices of goods and services have to also go up. Okay, so I don't know if this is being a contrarian or an adversary or what, but including in fixed in goods, stocks on the New York Stock Exchange, I mean, there's only so much stuff you can buy before your excess money just goes chasing return, right? So if they're pulling back money supply so that they're shrinking, and they'll never shrink nearly at the same rate that they infused it into the economy. So there's always going to be, for the next probably, what, five to 10 years, an obscene amount of excess cash in the marketplace. But if they're shrinking the money supply and people are feeling the pinch, how does that impact because I know the one thing that drives up the market is demand, right? Demand yeah. for return, demand for stocks, demand for investments. Right. Is there going to be a subtle impact on the market just from the lack of demand? One thing that has happened already, this is really interesting, Nate, that um, certain companies win, certain companies don't. And so the dispersion between the winners and the losers is getting bigger. And that could be directly related to the money supply shrinkage. And that could continue, which would mean that active money managers, people who are actively choosing different companies to be in, could do better than in the past. When you have a massive influx of money, then it's very easy for everybody to just go and buy the whole market. Even bad companies can look good sure, on the stock exchange. Right. You know, everything goes up. Right. But when everything starts to go down, then the good companies rise to the top. Okay. So we could see a weeding out. Some companies might fail that otherwise would have survived that sort of right. thing. And this has happened in the past and the markets over long periods of time deliver that rate of return that they deliver over long it's periods. It's never of time. happened before, Carl. <laughs> Come on. There was never a great recession. Yeah. That, that was a conspiracy theory. <laughs> and who have you been listening to, my friend? <laughs> uh, those voices inside my head. Yes, I love it. Jeff, final thoughts? No, I think it's very uh, informational. Carl, thank you very much for bringing uh, that perspective. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I I have a better understanding as to, to why the Fed's doing what they're doing. And, um, you know, I think uh, we need to be hopeful and optimistic. And, you know, just in talking to you a couple of weeks ago, Carl, you feel that uh, the market's doing well and we're, we're you know, kind of uh, doing what we needed to do. Uh, for for quite some time here so it's not as bad as everybody would make it out to believe yeah good if you listen to our podcast from a couple weeks back where we talked about some of these retirement tweaks yeah um the government is doing subtly incentives to keep people in the market which will help keep investments inflated well inflated in a good way i guess not inflated in a in a bad way right 
That's exactly right. Well, this is going to be great. And in our next podcast to tee it up, Jeff, you are the star of the show, where we're going to talk more about um, interest rates as part of what they're doing in, in the insurance world. Really big changes going on there. Interest yeah. rates, investments, how that's impacting rates and just the general environment. General environment yeah. for insurance. Oh, my goodness. Holy cow. Some of the stories. Some crazy stuff happening. Yep, there is. So look forward to it. And uh, yeah, we'll see everybody here in two weeks or hear everybody here in two weeks. Great, beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed the information we shared. If you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share it with someone else and join us next time. If you want to meet with a member of the team, please contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's info at expertnetworkteam.com. If you have special topics you'd like to hear about, please reach out to us and let us know at the same email address. Again, that's info at expertnetworkteam.com. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We want to remind you that listening to this podcast does not establish a client professional relationship with any of the firms represented nor does it constitute legal, investment, or accounting advice, and the views are those of the professionals only. Investment advisory services may be provided through a Financial Services, and securities may be provided through Genios Wealth Management.